Broadcasting live from an underwater temple, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zeba, and I'm joined by my divers, Bila, Louisa, and Tayo. And this is our final episode of the month covering claustrophobic horror. We're talking about 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, directed by Johannes Roberts. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcasts app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram, at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In 47 Meters Down, Uncaged, two stepsisters, Sasha and Mia, struggle to connect. Mia has not adjusted to the recent move to Mexico and is being bullied in school. Mia's father, Grant, is an undersea explorer and archaeologist and has recently discovered an ancient underwater Mayan temple. While he goes to explore it, he arranges for the two girls to go on a glass-bottomed boat tour of the great white sharks in the hopes that they will bond. However, Sasha's two friends, Alexa and Nicole, turn up and convince the girls to ditch the tour and dive with them to see the submerged Mayan city, which was shown to Alexa by one of Grant's two young assistants. In awe of their surroundings, the girls soon become trapped after Nicole knocks over a column. Unbeknownst to everyone in the underwater system, this discovered settlement is a hub where blind great white sharks prey and the terrifying creatures soon attack. Is this the entrance to the city? Guys, if my dad finds us, he's gonna kill us. Chill, I talked to Ben. Your dad is on the other side mapping out the new tunnel they found. They will never know we were here. Doesn't look like much of a city to me. It's Mayan. It was built underground out of the burial sites to hide from the conquistadors when they invaded. Rising sea levels put most of it underwater. Thank you, Professor. We should say Mila did not have time to watch the film but had time to record. That's why we're in an unusual situation of Mila not having seen this film. I suspect, though, that a lot of people listen to our episodes without having watched the movies, so I feel like Mila is the stand-in for those. I'm going to explain the premise to you, then, because what happened was... I just read the premise, Because you know, there are factors at play here, right? They have oxygen tanks, and they're running out of oxygen, so it's time-sensitive. And there's sharks, plus the claustrophobia. They're in underwater cave that has and crannies so it's literally like the descent but underwater and that instead of monsters it's sharks the beginning of it is just that the sisters their stepsisters they don't get along she's like in the popular crew and whenever her stepsister the one from yellow jackets gets bullied all the time she like never defends her so that's their relationship is it's tense in that way if the nepotism baby article had came out around this time perfect example who's in it Jamie Foxx's daughter, Rocky's daughter. And also Mia Long's in it for two minutes inexplicably. Like she just is the mom and we know her to be the mom, but they did not utilize Mia Long at all. This is really enlightening because I did not know that these were Nepo babies and I was sitting here like they just cast any old body, huh? It's like a Nepo baby cast. In fact, I read a really brutal review, which was by Benjamin Lee in The Guardian. The teens, who include Jamie Foxx's daughter, Corinne, and Sylvester Stallone's daughter, Sistine, are all equally forgettable, as is most of their dialogue. Their early banter, scripted by two men in their 40s, particularly embarrassing. It's also hard to distinguish between them when they're underwater, although given their non-existent personalities, it really doesn't matter too much. Sharkbait is sharkbait. The Monstrous Feminine is on Instagram, so please follow us. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout out at our next episode as our Witch of the Week. 
This episode, our Witch of the Week is NCDB1405, who commented on our The Hills Have Eyes post and said, nice to know I'm not alone in disliking this film. Nice to know we're not alone as well. I feel like sometimes we are negative. (laughs) That's okay. We can't like every movie. And nor should we. Nor should we. But also, it's nice to, like, have a group bitching sesh together. That's what it feels like when our followers agree. Like, it's just something cathartic about bitching about something. I wish you, like, many juicy gossip sessions. Friendly reminder that we're also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear a cut discussion for our main episodes. And for £5, you get all of that, plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. All the dialogue had to have been recorded like ADR because like they're underwater for 90% of the movie. So most of the lines must have been recorded in studio, which I think added to like the weird how the dialogue was delivered. That's true. Maybe it's kind of like uncanny because it's like watching a dub. Yeah, that's what that's what it felt like, because obviously they're not delivering the lines underwater. And people that aren't necessarily masters of the craft, let's say that. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. They were not masters of the craft. Someone in these reviews pointed out, actually, that they have, like, this radio to be able to, to talk to each other, but they don't actually wear headphones. Like, I was not understanding how on earth they were hearing each other. Like, she just went down and was, like, screaming, Dad! Screaming underwater behind their masks. <laughs> like, I don't see the kit. Like, they're just, you know, speaking from the diaphragm and hoping for the best. And also the sharks were blind and presumably like sensitive to either sound or vibration. So screaming, not helping, not helping. <laughs> this is another one of those movies where I'm like, I'm not sure scientifically that sharks would mutate that quickly. Like, I'm not sure how long you're saying that these sharks have been under this temple thing. I'm very confused. Yeah. She said they evolved down there. That line stuck with me. I'm like, they evolved down there. Because there were sharks that weren't in the cave that weren't blind. They were just regular sharks by the end. No, no, no. There are no regular sharks. This is what I didn't understand. So, okay. (laughs) I wasn't quite getting the origin. I assumed they must be prehistoric. I assumed that they must have always been down there and they've evolved. I assumed the sharks are very much trapped down there. They had no way out into the open. Now, I'm not saying that holds true by the end of the film, but I assumed that they dislodged something, collapsed a column, that reshuffled everything, which reshuffled the, I don't know, structure of the underwater cave system, which then meant that the sharks are free. Because if the sharks could always get out of the cave, then they would have never evolved to be blind. Because why would they? They had access to the open sea. Why would these big-ass sharks choose to be in an underwater cave system with very little food for them? Like, great whites eat seals. So what was their, like, primary diet in, like, this enclosed cave system? I just don't really know. Clearly it was people. And those, those demon fish that scream, remember that guy from the beginning? There are fish down there. Or maybe they had crevices big enough for, like, bigger things to swim in. But I don't know. There was, like, several blind, prehistoric-looking great whites down there. Presumably, if they can get out of the cave and by the end we realize that they've been, the tourism company has been feeding them chum, they might just be living off of chum and then going back down to the cave. Sure, but why are they blind? Ain't no way. They feeding them enough chum for that. (laughs) Ty is like, I call bullshit on this marine biology. They made 
too many things to like try to make it scarier. Like they were like, what if we add like the zombie apocalypse, like idea that they're attracted to sound or something. Yeah. Every time I thought I understood what the scary thing was or like, and another thing. And honestly, it got me. The jump scares all got me. I genuinely, I was watching it. Like, this is why Louisa loves shark movies. I was on a ride. Yeah, low-key, my choice of film was a bit skewed to the fact that it's a shark movie, and I do, I mean, I just love a shark movie. It, it, I, I can't lie. However, I don't think this one's very good. There's no such thing as a bad shark movie to me personally. However, I also did not like the homages to Deep Blue Sea. There were two homages to Deep Blue Sea, Mila, in this, and that one is... One of them must be like the shock death of... Yes. And you would think it's all underwater, but they actually get... So the dad and his team had dived in a different way. So they'd come from above, like... And like jumped into like uh not what's it called? It's like it's like a like an entrance to the cave, but they like jumped down into it. Whereas the girls like, you know, found the cave and like suspended themselves via rope down. So basically there was an opportunity for you to like submerge out the water. He was like out and they were like half in, half out treading water. The dad, he's like, We can do this, we can band together. It's really tragic because he gives literally gives his motivating speech about how they are gonna get out of this and they're gonna get out of it alive, and there's only one way out, and then shark gets up until that point there had been no adults and so when they find him you're like oh finally somebody who knows how to navigate the caves who knows how the equipment works who is remarkably calm given the circumstances and he just gets torn apart however i am concerned he didn't really care that his two assistants were like gone I think he cared i think he just couldn't panic in the moment like i think he it was just too time sensitive i mean the irony that this movie is about his daughter unable to accept her new family and now she only got a choice at the end it's just the stepsisters left alive and they have to love each other something poetic about that i also thought it was funny because i was like really this was the only thing that could have gotten you guys to bond you couldn't have just gone for a long lunch like i would be shit scared because there's the element of claustrophobia being down in caves it's underwater i'm not really a fan there's also sharks and it's dark yeah they really said, we're going to give you a checklist of things that will make you shit your pants. There are several threats. However, when I first watched it, like the jump scares jump scared me, whereas second watch, I obviously knew they were coming. So I'm a little bit biased on the second watch. So the jump scares are jump scaring. They're doing that job. But in general, there's not a lot of like suspense like there is with like the descent or whatever like or even the first 47 meters down film, which I think actually is quite decent. And this one, they just seem to like throw on so many threats and yet it's not very threatening somehow. The deaths are really quick. I think that's why there's no suspense is because nearly every one of them is a jump scare. Like they come at you when you're least suspecting it and you don't even have time to recover. I finished the movie and I like my adrenaline was so high because I was like, no one is safe. Like there's no second of this movie where I'm like, this is the lead up to the scary thing. It's always like, calm, 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 calm. And then they throw just the most gruesome death at you and let you sit with it but you can't because it's time sensitive and there's 30 percent oxygen left and like as far as no breaks i felt like i wasn't given relief which is like why the pacing was fucked up but also the only reason i was scared at all we've talked about this in shark week episodes they don't just attack unprompted right i feel like that is the biggest plot hole here like maybe these blind sharks do (laughs) they're blind right so presumably if you just sat there and shut the fuck up and ignore you they know where to get chum like i don't know 
that the sharks are like congregated in this area is because nearby that's where the tourist boats who like let people watch the sharks dump the chum to like get them to come over i also thought of like why are they even attacking them if they've never like encountered like a human swimming around before my other rationale was like because they're probably hungry the stallone daughter was the the bitch like the one who kept fucking things up for everyone natalie is that her name nicole got on my very last nerve step one she led them into the whole danger literally the whole shit is her fault because she went into the second cave and everyone followed her because they were worried about her and then she pulled that shit where she like her survive i i guess i'll call it a strong survival instinct when she was like fuck what you heard i'm the first one out of this bitch and uh ruined it for everyone again by what do they call that the lead the thing they used to climb up out of the hole i shrieked i was so pissed about that whole situation because they all could have gotten out of it wait did she she left so you know we're telling you about the entrance to the cave that you had to like suspend yourself down into they still had that rope but and her other friend was on it first alexa was going up it but then nicole panicked when she saw sharks appear beneath them and jumped on it trying to climb above alexa it couldn't take the weight it collapsed yeah, like she literally says i'm getting out of here i'm getting out of here and climbs over the other girl like like literally like she would have been dead had she fallen and she didn't give a fuck she climbed over her climbed up the rope and then the rope like dislocated from where it was attached and then they were all fucked and then she got immediately eaten it was like immediate karma i kind of wish she had sat with her decision for a little while before she got eaten but we'll leave that (laughs) (laughs) if you had one complaint that was the second by the way deep blue sea reference we never got to the second the second deep blue sea reference was how she died which was do double sharks eating her and ripping her in half i feel like if you're gonna reference something the only way to reference is either for serious to reference serious or camp to reference serious b-movie can't reference b-movie that just feels redundant you're already like self-referential but like judging from the whole construction of this movie maybe they don't think things like deep lucy are b-movies and that they were just referencing another shark movie like genuinely the self-awareness of this i guess the lesson we're supposed to learn in the end is like don't bully people because they could get eaten by a shark right in front of you and then you have to live with that trauma thought the ending was going to end with her bully like falling into the water and getting devoured by a shark personally that would have been fun but that's not what happened well everyone survives the two so oh sorry not everyone survives most sorry most people die and but sasha and mia the two sisters get out of the water because they swim over to the boat um where they're chumming they get stuck in the chumming and then they both get attacked by sharks but they manage to escape by helping each other you think one is safe and then she goes to save the other and then she gets attacked. This is all to say that there are two to three plot twists in like the last five minutes. Yeah, the space of like a two minute action reel is like chaotic. It's like, I'm free. No, you're not. Shark attack. I'm free. No, you're not. Shark attack. Oh, I'm going to jump back in to save my sister. And then she gets eaten. Anyway, so, but the bully that pushed the first sister into the pool at the beginning of the movie happens to be on the shark boat tour. And she sees that the girl she bullied come out of the water and they like have meaningful eye contact. And I was like, is the moral of what's the moral here? Like that, you know, bullies are capable of redemption if they see you nearly get eaten by a giant shark. So I thought the bully was with them. So this no, is even more confusing. She just was on, happened to be on the tourism boat where they dumped the chum like that day. <laughs> 
we don't know why she's getting bullied. It's simply because she's new to school. Like it's it's never said. And for for any the stone, I could not think of a reason as to why she was being bullied. Had read a book because she knew about like the scuba diving. Yeah, I don't know. And she knew about like the Mayan history. That bitch was Encyclopedia Brown. Um, so was the other one girl who had been diving before. She was also she happened to know everything about how to dive from the one time she dove. The appearance of the sharks, they were so scraped. Like they those sharks were ran through. They were they were battered. If there's not very much space in the caves, they're probably just like bumping around in there. But they can get I don't understand what keeps them and what compels them to stay there if they have access to the open sea. Anyway. I keep coming back to that little plot hole. Second thing, this claustrophobic element, what do we think of it? Because akin with further our uh, point about how there's very little tension in this movie, a New York Times review said, comparing it to the first uh, film, just 47 meters down, the director Johannes Roberts also helmed the earlier film, and while he created a palpable sense of claustrophobia in that effort, even in scenes set in the open sea, here, he flounders in his attempts to build dread in tight spaces. The bickering girls are often stuck in underwater caves and corridors, but the action is unclear and the menace is unconvincing. The tin-eared dialogue, of which there is a shocking amount for a movie that is largely set underwater, doesn't help either. It's hard to care for characters when what they do and say rings so false. The result plays like the kind of sleazy exploitation movie that the first one so studiously avoided becoming. And another person, uh, William Bibiani from Bloody Disgusting, said almost all the confined spaces our heroes wind up in look interchangeable. So it's hard to tell where anything is in relation to anything else. And it should feel claustrophobic. And instead, it's just mostly vague. They leaned on the darkness a lot for things that they didn't want to show that were just like implied violence. But then there were some dead on a shark attack. So I was confused because I don't know. In some movies, darkness and that kind of thing helps because if your special effects budget isn't high enough to show everything you want to show, but this was not that. So I guess, yeah, the claustrophobia was made worse by the underwaterness of it all. I think that was the most compelling thing for me is the fact that they're underwater. But actually, you're right in terms of the pacing of it. It wasn't that compelling and you're and they're right in the sense that it is a bit vague like with the descent i feel like the claustrophobia works because they're like let's try this tunnel let's try this tunnel whereas this one's a scramble and they don't know where they're going also another reviewer pointed out christy pukko for pajava said that there's no sense of momentum because for example we don't really know they don't really explain what it means like they're like oh i only have like this much air left but we don't know what that means minutes wise whereas like you know in other films you can count down how much roughly so we don't actually know what to expect and that kind of is what alters the pacing of it a little bit they added a bunch of other shit to the claustrophobia too like darkness is a factor but then at one point when they get really panicked the silt from the sand at the bottom gets like drudged up and they can't see and then they get lost that is realistic and that was scary because that was pre-shark like that was before any sharks had even appeared the silt issue occurred but again a lot of these problems could have been avoided if they stopped panicking a lot of things going on like the thing that descent did well was like not introduce the monster until a good portion through when we've already seen the horrors of just generally being down there whereas they had a great opportunity to do something like that but they did not do it in this movie they brought the shark in right away whereas that's the main threat whereas i think with the descent you had time to really sit with the fact of like shit we're trapped and shit it's this person's fault 
And oh my God, we have other problems. Like what about oxygen? You know, well, not in descent, but they could have had that oxygen element. But you know what I mean? Like they just didn't really do much with the threats that they put forward. There's a review, again, from Christy Puko from Pajiba. They were talking about the sisterly bond, kind of in comparison to the first film. So it said, in 47 Meters Down, the focus on Lisa and Kate's bond made us root for them and their survival. In 47 Meters Down Uncaged, Mia and Sasha's bond is chiefly a plot point, and the violence they and their fellow divers face suggests the filmmakers want us to take pleasure in their pain. Dot, dot, dot. While the first film put us in the place of its protagonist to experience the horror with them, the second sits us back to let us watch and presumably revel. And I thought I would really agree with that assessment in that I don't think that you really, I don't know, I don't think there's time to like panic with them. I think you're just kind of watching them quickly die. Like you said, Saber, the deaths are really, really, really quick. We don't really see much about like between them or feel much about them. Like all we know is that they haven't bonded and the dad wants them to bond. Like that's all we know. But you're there. she's right. Like it's just a plot point. It's nothing's done to actually develop the characterization there. Louise, I think you said in The Descent that you were comparing like the thorough characterization, the descent to most of the slashes we see and how slashes tend to sort of encourage the audience to take pleasure in the pain of people on screen. I feel like that like sums it up really well, that it really is just to like watch particularly female bodies get just annihilated, munched, sliced, all of that, um, which isn't, it's not ideal. If I had to make any judgment, it's a weak point in humanity. I don't think there's any mon femme in this film, really, besides the general mon femme vibe as like women being eaten. You know what I mean? Like, I really can't think of any specific of the five creed categories that might be visible here. There weren't any like shark mouth vaginas. That's what I was going to say. At a push, I would say oh, the you open were mouth. Houthi <laughs> okay. maw. The gaping maw. Yeah, gaping maw full of teeth. And even if, like, we're not going to give credit to filmmakers for doing shit like that on purpose, the point is that they put it in subconsciously, a horror movie. So we can call out a gaping maw full of teeth whenever we see one. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, witches out. <laughs>